This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Direct Response Marketing Magic Podcast. Seth Green is a five-time best-selling author, speaker, and nationally recognized direct response marketing expert who is CEO of one of the fastest-growing direct response marketing firms in the country. To get free access to a download of his new book, Podcast Marketing Magic, and a free live training webinar that will show you how you can use a podcast to attract new customers and referrals like magic, simply register at www.ultimatemarketingmagician.com. On the podcast, Seth brings together some of the most cutting-edge thought leaders in the world to share with you how they grow their businesses and how you can too. Hi, my name is Ella Green. The best marketing guy is my dad. First, he helps people with, with marketing magic. Next, if you need marketing help, he will help you. Finally, if he is a match marketer, my dad is the best. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Welcome to the Direct Response Podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be interviewing Lily Cawthorn. Lily is currently the director of a Sydney-based industrial property trust, and she's been investing in industrial real estate in Sydney for the past 15 years. She has real estate investment interests in Australia, France, and the United States. She's traveled extensively, initially investing in residential real estate across three countries where she's built and renovated homes she then leased out. She is well-placed to compare the benefits of the little-known industrial real estate investment opportunity to the more commonly known residential real estate investment domain. Lily, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Seth. I'm delighted to be here. Let's go back in time a little bit. I know you didn't start out as a, as a real estate investing guru. How did you get started? Well, actually, I had a windfall in my late teens. My father was a farmer, and he had a beautiful dairy farm on the edge of the water in the North Island of New Zealand. And uh, due to, um, well, actually, it was due to the beginning of the EEC when New Zealand was no longer supported by the mother country, England, um, dairy farming started to turn very bad and my father decided to subdivide his beautiful little farm and he gave each of his daughters one housing block. So that's how I got into real estate. Um, from there in my early 20s I built a house on that block and then I rented it out when I moved overseas. And then how did that transition to where you are now? Because obviously there's been a lot in between. Absolutely. Well, that that um, initial block I unfortunately lost through to a bad relationship and bad advice as to uh, what names to purchase that home in. 
So my investment there dwindled all the way down to a measly little $10,000. But I put that in an investment account and I never, ever touched it. And I called it my safety net. Uh, off I went overseas and I became a ski guide. I ran a restaurant on the ski slopes with a friend. I was a tourist guide in Turkey in the summer. And then I moved to Paris and I worked for several years there for a travel insurance company repatriating uh, uh, French people on holiday who needed medical help. From there, I was sent out to Auckland, New Zealand to um, set up a little agency for a travel insurance company. And my $10,000 that had been sitting in the investment count had turned into $85,000. Wow. So I started purchasing real estate in New Zealand. And I would buy what I would call an ugly house, which meant that it was structurally sound in a nice position, but desperately needed a makeover cosmetically. Uh, you know, I might add a balcony or push a wall out to make uh, one, two little rooms, one big room. But mostly it was me in there on my own with a paintbrush and getting stuck in. Uh, I have dressmaking experience, so I would, you know, make curtains and cushions and make the thing look absolutely delightful and then sell it, usually for about a 30% profit because it's amazing how a cosmetic makeover will make a home suddenly uh, way more more attractive to buy. So that's how I started in residential. And then how did you make the transition to what is industrial investment real estate property and how did you find out about it? Okay, well, I had never heard of it. We all hear about commercial all the time. And commercial to me means businesses, shops, uh, businesses as in office blocks and shops, uh, just something I didn't understand, didn't have an interest in. But coming back home to France from that um, initial period in New Zealand, setting up the insurance, setting up the insurance agency, I decided to take a holiday in Sydney. I'd never been there, and uh, you know it's a beautiful place. So I stopped here for a six-week holiday, and I met my the man who was to become my husband. And at the time, he was an industrial real estate salesman. So that's how I discovered it. And then how did you, what was your first industrial real estate investment? Well, it's, it's quite interesting, Seth, because at the time I really wasn't interested at all. We, uh, we got together and I kept saying, I'm going home to France. This is not going to be serious. I didn't really take a lot of interest in what he was doing. But uh, as, you know, as the relationship became serious, we decided that we would pool our resources together. So that means all our finances, um, intellectual and creative expertise, and that we would set a goal to purchase the agency that my husband was a salesman for. Um, so we got married and we planned this venture and we sold all our residential properties because by then I had also bought one in Sydney. And we uh, moved forward and uh, purchased 30% of the business and then in 2006 purchased the rest of the business along with the junior partner. So as we got serious to move this business forward, we made a deal whereby I would stay at home and run absolutely everything in our life while my husband would be out in the business world looking for new business, um, buying rent rolls and moving the business forward and that's when I started buying my own small factories because I was working from home uh, doing the books 
for you know for our life, the accounting books. So I started to buy little factories, and I bought my first one for two hundred and fifty-four thousand dollars in two thousand and two, and I still own that factory today. That is absolutely incredible. What have been some of your biggest business challenges, and more importantly, how did you overcome them, and what did you learn from them? I think in the beginning, it was very, very much a man's world. Um, even going into the office, you know, we, it's now our agency, but we immediately moved it. It was a very small, very male office. It was untidy. There were no females in there. It was intimidating. There was no receptionist, so you sort of had to go in the door and around a corner and bang, be in a room full of sort of half a dozen to 12 men all staring at you. It, it, was, it, was an, it wasn't a nice experience. Um, since then, once we purchased the, biz, the business, we've moved it into a massive, great, big, modern, light-filled building. We have 20 staff. So we've deliberately chosen to make it a woman-friendly environment. However... When I began researching to write The Money Factory, my book, I found that of our 500 million worth of properties that we asset manage, 0.02% of the owners are women. So it's tiny. And the few women buying, and well, actually they're not buying, they have inherited through their fathers or their husbands, and none of them want to be interviewed for the book because they didn't really feel they understood it. They just received it through family connections. So my challenge then was to try to bring this to the attention of women in particular, but, but anybody, anybody who does not know about this niche market. The biggest challenge for me, Seth, was my husband. <laughs> when I wanted to write the book, I was very, very excited about writing a book about our business and I was going to write about the transformation of our business from a male-dominated domain to um, you know, the, um, the modern environment we have where 50% of our staff are women. And I came home from the author meeting, author's workshop, I said to my husband, I'm so excited, I'm going to write a book about our business, it's just going to be awesome, it'll take it to the next new level. And he looked at me in the eye and and he said, you are not writing about my business. So <laughs> that was a massive challenge because I was under the illusion for 15 years it was our business. So you can imagine, wow. the, you can imagine the argument that ensued. Um, it, it wasn't nice and uh, I got no sleep that night. And the next morning driving into the author workshop, I actually got really mad because I thought about all these years that I'd worked behind the scenes from home. Um, I'd lost my vitality, I had become bored, just running home, family, you know, doing cooking, shopping, washing, um, you know, the school bus route and, and doing the books is not enough to challenge me. You can tell from my past life that I've done a lot of exciting things. So I had become withdrawn, bored, and although I wasn't looking for accolades, I must admit, Seth, that I got really fed up with everyone presuming that I'd landed on my feet as we became successful and that our success was all due to my husband. So that was my challenge, but I'm really happy to say that my husband came around very quickly. He uh, admitted it had been a knee-jerk reaction, and uh, today he's my biggest supporter. 
and we're both using um, you know the, the momentum from the Money Factory book to drive our business forward. So it's been an exciting ride. That is absolutely incredible. What do you like best about your business? What I'm loving at the moment is that uh, originally I was going to just release 500 copies of the Money Factory. I didn't really think a lot of people would be interested. It's made um, a lot of noise in the media. I've been on TV, on radio, written up about in magazines. This month, Your Investment Property Magazine has a four-page spread on me called Industrial Revolution. Um, so I am finding that there is an enormous amount of interest from people, but they need to hear me speak about it. No one really understands what industrial real estate is, and that's because it's traditionally rolled under the commercial umbrella. Industrial is small factories and warehouses, and the way our world is going today, those are very often owned by a couple or a single tenant and it can be your landscape gardener who just wants a safe environment to lock all his expensive gear up at night. It can be an online fancy dress um, party hire um, company that just needs to have somewhere to you know, make, make repairs to the clothes upstairs and have racks and racks of them to hang on so that they can send them out from online orders. Um, I have a piano tuner in one of mine, um, paper goods to go and supply for shopping centre bathrooms. So they're quite clean and small where I invest. Clearly, you can go up into millions and millions of dollars worth of industrial, but that's not my field. I stay small. I would rather have half a dozen small properties than one massive big one. It's spreading the risk. So I'm fine that people are wanting to know how do I do this and why should I do it and is it risky? And the answer is no. In the last 20 years, statistics have come out showing that industrial real estate is the highest net income producer of all the investment strategies from shares to cash to forex to uh, residential. It's really a very, very good returner. And the best thing is there's no costs because your rent is net. The tenant pays all the costs. That is absolutely incredible. Um, I know that – talk a little bit about what's happened since writing The Money Factory. I know you share your knowledge and your experience, and it's a straightforward step-by-step -step guide. Um, talk a little bit about how the writing process and then how you've been able to help people since then. Well, the writing process was very interesting because uh, I have been wanting to write a book for a long time and it's always been around the idea of money. I believe that money is made too complicated. Uh, it's in the hands of a very few because most people don't understand how it works. I wanted to originally write a book to teach children about compounding interest and the importance of saving and building uh, a safety net in the bank account. Uh, the uh, author's workshop I went to at that time poo-pooed the idea, told me I'd never get an audience, and I, I felt very um, disillusioned about the whole process. I met Jerry Robert from Black Card Books, and he's the entrepreneurial publisher who believes that your book is your business card, and you need to have one to tell people what you do and to um, become a key person of influence in your sphere. So the process to me 
it was very logical. I just went to the five power team members that I use because I am not an expert. I'm just someone who has discovered this opportunity and I use experts in the industrial real estate field, in the uh, industrial conveyancing, uh, finance lending, financial advisors and asset managers. I had one hour interviews with all of those people and then I simply put very simply as I was sitting on the lounge sofa with a girlfriend and explained exactly step by step what I did to end up owning a small factory. Now, it's created a lot of interest, so I started speaking about it, and I have 20-minute speeches that I basically say all the reasons why it's a great way to make passive income, particularly for your retirement. I discovered, Seth, when I was writing the book that Australian women are not saving enough money for their retirement. Um, as it is in your country, we have the baby boomers all starting their first wave of retirement. We have a quarter of a million people that are going to retire this this year. And 50, uh, half a million women are already living below the poverty line in Australia because they have not saved enough for their retirement, which means they will be living just on a very small government pension. I, I'm passionate about changing this. So I now hold seminars or workshops on a Saturday morning for three hours. It's, I don't charge for it. And I teach anybody, but particularly the women that are approaching maybe 50, 55 age group, why they need to do something now to make sure that they don't retire below the poverty line. And I just teach all the steps of how to buy a small factory and not to spend the income to save it and, and, and have money for retirement. That is absolutely incredible. Is there anything that drives you crazy about your business? <laughs> what drives me crazy is that it's not a sexy subject. So it's particularly difficult to pique people's interest enough to make them come along and listen. Because when they do come along and listen, they find it funny, informative, um, entertaining, and a great a great morning, but they also go away full of powerful information that can change their future finances forever. It's particularly frustrating that the word industrial sounds Charles Dickinson. It doesn't sound interesting. Um, people's eyes glaze over if they I had a party. What do you do, Lily? Well, I invest in industrial real estate. Blank. We'll move on to somebody else. So I've learned to say, well, I actually make fabulous passive income by buying small factories and warehouses and then that, that sort of piques people's curiosity to ask the ne next question but it's hard to do that on social media <laughs> absolutely how what do you i know you're a voracious learner what are three of the best books you've ever read that have had the most impact on your work firstly i'm um, I really absolutely love all of John D. Martini's work. Uh, Dr. John D. Martini uh, also featured in The Secret. The Secret was a, a DVD that took the world by storm about 10 years ago, and it's a fabulous way of changing your mindset to want to learn more about how money works and how what you think about you bring about. I've proved to myself over and over again that what you think about you bring about. Um, so John D. Martini, I've been and seen his seminars as well as read a lot of his books, and he changed my mindset. 
The second one that absolutely changed my life is Robert Kiyosaki's Cash Flow Quadrant. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki really just shot me between the eyes why I need passive income and why I will never get ahead either on a salary or working for myself. So they, those two absolutely shifted me. Brian Tracy is another one who writes very clearly and very simply about changing your mindset around money so that you can accumulate enough to protect your family, to have enough to live, live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. And that's my philosophy. I love it. What, who is an ideal student for you and where should they go to learn more about you? My ideal student is any timid investor. That can be a man, a woman. The perfect niche for me is somebody just like me. They're, more, they're over 50. They are starting to realize they're not invincible and they're not going to live forever. They possibly have already lost a parent, so they're starting to do the maths. My God, if I go at the same age, I've only got this much time left. They've usually got some form of uh, either savings that they've squirreled away or um, a divorce settlement or uh, even a, an inheritance. Some of them, these women are widowed already. Those people that have got 150000 or more that they've just left sitting in a bank account because they're too damn scared to go and put it anywhere in case they lose it. Those are the women that I'm targeting because I want to show them how they can have a safe, uh, environment to put their money to earn a, a minimum of $1,600 a month and more depending on how much they can buy and they can find out more about me by going to moneyfactoryinvesting.com or they can join me on Facebook at author Lily Cawthorn. Okay. Fascinating interview. I've got tons of notes. I'm sure our listeners do too. We thank them for listening. We'll talk to them next time. Lily, thank you so much for joining us and lending us your expertise today. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>